Welcome to the Halakha Hour here on JRoot Radio. You are listening today, July 29th, which is in the month of Av. I believe it's we're on Yud Gimel Av. And we are back to our regular schedule. We are we have just completed uh, or we went through the three-week period and we just had Tisha B'Av. And therefore, we will be back now to our regular schedule of the Halachot of Mukseh. We are in the middle of Parashat Miketz in the Benish Hai in Shana Shania, which deals with the Chot Shabbat, specifically the laws of Mukseh. And really, this is, I believe, part seven in this big subject of Mukseh. We'd like to finish the Parashat before the summer when we go back to our regular schedule of the Halachot of the holidays, Rosh Hashanah. We have a lot of holidays coming up, of course. Elul, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Shmini Atzeret, and... Uh, of course, some hot Torah at the end. Many, many subjects to speak about and would like to finish this parasha, at least with Mukseh. Not the whole subject of but at least this parasha. However, being that we took a little bit of a break, two and a half week break, of uh, where we're not talking about the subject, instead of me going back and repeating all the things over again, I figured, you know what? Let's just replay one of the, the main introduction that we gave to the Hachot Mukseh. So this way we refresh ourselves with this halakha. And therefore, we are going to be replaying the class that we gave on June 3rd. It's a little bit of a while ago, which is an introduction, which is always good to repeat because many, many halakhot are there. And it's always an important introduction for halakhot of mukseh. And therefore, we ask that if anybody has any questions, you can still call the station. We are around. We're doing other work over here. And if you have any questions, we'll answer you. Obviously, it will not be live. You could also text in. And the numbers, let me just give you very quickly, to call in to the studio where you, we could answer your questions. Not Again, not on the air, but it will be 718-683-5858. You could text in your question at 347-927-8398. Let's begin. And we are discussing the halachot of mukseh. So please try to keep and limit your questions specifically to this subject of Mokseh, although it's a big subject, but try to limit it to um, specifically questions related to what we are going to speak about. The number to text in your question, which is preferable, 347-927-8398. As always, we'll be here after the class. If anybody has a question, that's the best time to really call us off the air, and we can answer you as you wish, or whatever you would like to ask. The number is to listen to the radio on the phone, 718-506-506-9099 or 712-432-4217. Also, you can access this class on the web, jrootradio.com. And there you could also watch this video with the classes. We're going to get live streaming. And then finally, the last way that you can listen is through your phone and let me just shut off my phone as we speak the phone number i mean not the phone number but the app if you have a smartphone you could listen through your smartphone app jroot radio pro app the halakha hour is a class where we discuss halakhot we try to clarify and bring to practicality the halakhot of shabbat right now we're in the middle of shabbat and usually we speak or we start off from the Benish Hai. The second section in Benish Hai, Benish Hai has actually two parts to it. Both of them are halachot. The second part, that means to say the second year, discusses the halachot or starts with the halachot of Shabbat. We're up to Parashat Miketz and the subject of Mukseh. Last week and this week, we were speaking about the introduction to the halachot of Mukseh. As we mentioned last week, the Hachol Mukseh are very complicated. They're very, it's, it's a lot, it's a big, big subject. And there is no way possible, really, for this type of class to be able to teach all of Hachol Mukseh. But we are giving introductions to make it a little bit easier to understand the subject of Mukseh to a practical level. And we know our audience, we know who's listening, especially in the car and things. So we try to make it very clear and simple that we should all be able to apply these halachot on a regular basis. If you have not listened to last week's class, it's highly recommended that you go to the archives and listen. So you could just be, you know, basically with us. This class, today's class, is going to be part two of the introductions of Halachot Mukseh. I 
that after today's class, we'll be able to get to the actual halachot from the Benish Hai, which will probably be next week. Let's now, last week we spoke mostly about the background and the history of Muqsay, the reasons why Muqsay is Asur. Mostly was, uh, I guess, explanations why and not exactly how. The practical or the halachot really, today's class is the introduction part two, but it deals with the halachot really to Muqsay. And we'll begin with really an introduction that's from the Beit Yosef and all the Ahronim, pretty much anybody who discussed the subject of Muqsay brought the same introduction. In order to understand Muqsay, you should know, many people who do know about Muqsay, I don't mean the details of Muqsay, who just know a little bit about Muqsay, don't know exactly, you know, they think that once something is Muqsay, that's it. It's all the same. And it's really not. As we're going to see soon, that Muqsay has to be categorized. And depending which category an item, which category of Muqsay an item falls under, it has its own separate laws. And the categories of Muqsay, the Beit Yosef brings down, there are six categories of Muqsay. What are these six categories? I'm going to tell you the names. You should be familiar with the names, the way they are in Hebrew. I'm not going to translate what they are. I'm just going to tell you the names. And then after we list these six categories, we'll go and explain a little bit briefly what these six categories are and which ones we will be focusing on. The six categories are, number one, Keli le'isur or leheter. Number two, Mukse Mahmat Hesron Kis. Number three, Mukse Mahmat Gufo. Number four, Basis le Dabarha Asur. Number five, Mukse Mahmat Isur. And finally, number six, Mukse Mahmat Mitzvah. If you know the Hachot Mukse, you should say, yes, okay, that's it. He got it all. That's exactly what the Beit Yosef says. If you are not familiar with Achot of Muqseh, you just know the terminology of Muqseh, this sounds Chinese. And I know it sounds Chinese. And if I would translate, trust me, it would be worse. So let me go ahead and explain what, what these six categories are. A little bit, very, very briefly, what they are, an example of what they are, and some very, very short rules. But you should know, categorizing the Muqseh, we, we accomplished that 60% of the laws of Muqseh, we have. Just to know how to categorize what item is Muqseh, we have the Halakhot of Muqseh, 60% of the Halakhot of we have them already, we're good. The other 40% are all the other details, are all the other laws of Muqseh. So let's get to these six categories of Muqseh. You should know, even though we listed six, I'm not going to bother explaining the last one, unless I see I really, really have time. And the reason is because the last category is something that's not so dealt with on a regular, every Shabbat basis. It's rather, it's in the, the it's rather, it's, it's a subject that's for Yom Tov. So I'll try, depending on the time, to see if I'm able, if we're able to discuss that last category. Let's begin with the first category of Mokseh, known as Keli Shemlachto Le'isur. I'll repeat it again. So if you're Ashkenazi listening to my Sfaradi Havara, so I know it makes it a little bit harder. But by God, that's really what it is. means it's a utensil. It has a function, has a purpose. But its main purpose is something that we cannot do on Shabbat. Let's give an example. A pen. A pen is a utensil. You can use it. Utensil doesn't have to be pots and pans, by the way. Utensil is anything that's used. That's, I believe, the definition of utensil. It's an item that has a function. It's a pen. It has a function. But the main thing that the pen is made for is that it should write. And writing itself is a on Shabbat. So that's called keli. That's a utensil. Shemelachto. That its function is le'isur for something that's forbidden to be performed on Shabbat. Let's give you another example. Scissors. What do you use scissors for? To cut. Are you allowed to cut on Shabbat? No. So scissors is ekeli shemelachto leisur. Another example. Hammer. A hammer also. What is a hammer used for? It's used to build. It's not used to crack coconuts. A hammer is made to build. You knock nails inside. Okay? Or you wait till you call the uh, 
handyman and then you give him that your hammer to fix it. Whatever it is. A hammer is made for building. Is building permitted on Shabbat? The answer is no. So therefore, a hammer is also a keli shemelachto le'isur. It's a utensil where its purpose is to build and building is asur on Shabbat and therefore the hammer is under this category. Keli shemelachto le'isur. Good. Now that we've defined what keli shemelachto le'isur is, we'll give you briefly... Some of the halakhot, because obviously when we go into the details in the Ben Ishai, we'll go through all the halakhot. But it's important to know this, it's important to hear this once and twice and three times, many times over, until you become very familiar with the categories of mukseh. Eklishim el-achtole isur, although it's mukseh, which means in general you have no permission to handle it, to move it around, However, there are exceptions for this category. is permitted that you're allowed to move it for what the Gemara in Halakha says, something called Litzorech Mekomo will Litzorech Gufo. What does this mean? I'm allowed to move Klish Melachtol Leisur Litzorech Mekomo. Litzorech Mekomo means if I need the place of the item. Let's give a mashal. I'm coming on Shabbat and I would like to eat my Shabbat meal. I come to set up the table because I'm such a good husband. I help my wife on Shabbat. I set up the table. I come to set up the table and lo and behold, right there where I'm supposed to put down the dish, the plate and the forks and the knives and whatever it is, where I'm supposed to put it down, my kids left the hammer. Or ladies would say, my husband left the hammer. Baruch Hashem is handy, but he leaves his things around. In any case, the hammer is left exactly, it's on the Shabbat table where I'm planning to put down the plate. So I need that makom. I need that place for Shabbat. I need to place the dishes over there. I need to put the, the plates and the forks. So although a hammer is mukseh, I'm not allowed to move it in general. But since I need its place, that's called litzorech mekomo, I'm allowed to pick up the hammer and move it and put it where I need to put it. That's called litzorech gufo. So again, Keli shemelachto leisur is permitted to move only letzorech mekomo, as we just explained. Everybody gathered, you know, from all the exotic fruits I was able to find. And but what kind of mukse? But I need the hammer to open up the coconut, to open up the coconut, which is mutar on Shabbat, or to puncture a hole in the coconut to drain out the coconut juice, which is also mutar on Shabbat. I'm allowed to crack open a coconut. I'm allowed to drain out the water of a coconut on Shabbat. So I'm allowed to also take the hammer, use it to open the coconut. And it's not, it's not a problem mukseh. Why? It is mukseh, the item. But this type of mukseh, which is klishim lachtole isur, is permitted in the case where it's letzorech gufo, I need the item, I need the utensil itself to do something that's mutar Shabbat and letzorech mekomo. Or if the item is in the place which I need on Shabbat. Like the first example that we gave where the hammer is sitting or in my seat on Shabbat or on the table where I need to put the dishes on Shabbat. However, although we gave you when it's permitted to move which is again, remember these words letzorech gufo and letzorech mekomo. If I need it the location where it is, or if I need the item itself to do something that's permitted. Moving mukseh, this category mukseh, which is called klishim lachtole isur, is forbidden, but the halakha says, mehama letzel, from sun to shade. What in the world does this mean? Moving from the sun to shade, from outside to inside? The simple meaning is as follows. Although we gave you the hitterim, when you're allowed to move Kalisha Mahdole Isur, you should know you can't just move it whenever you like. If you're moving the mukse, which is categorized as Kalisha Mahdole Isur, for the sake of the item itself, to protect the item or to prevent it from damage, whatever it may be, then that's forbidden. Let's give you a mashal. Let's say I have my hammer sitting in my backyard. And now I see as it's become very, very windy. And it's going to start raining. And the handle to my hammer is wood. And I know if it rains, it's going to ruin my hammer. So what's going to happen now is that in an hour, the rainstorm is going to be over. I'm going to come back after Shabbat, look at my hammer. It's going to be all soggy and the, the metal is going to be rusty. It's going to ruin the hammer. Can I move the hammer inside the house to protect it from the rain? 
The answer is no. Why? Because I'm moving the hammer for the two hetrim that we gave. The hammer is It's made in order to put to build, which is asur on Shabbat. The only reason why I'm allowed to move isur, I have two hetrim, and that's it. One is let mekomo and let gufo. If I need the spot where the mukse is, or if I need the item to do something mutar with it on Shabbat. In this case, where I'm trying to protect the hammer from the bad weather, I'm not doing it for tzorech mekumo or tzorech gufo. I'm doing it to protect the hammer. That's called mehamman letzel, and that is for on Shabbat. Whoa, what are you telling me? Now I should get my hammer, I'm going to ruin my hammer, leave it outside in the rain, let it get ruined? The answer is no, but you can't move it. What do you mean, no, you can't move it? So if I don't move it, it's going to get ruined. It's a no. You put a dish on top of it to make sure that doesn't get wet. And if you can't, you, you can't do it for whatever reason may be, then create a reason why you need to move this hammer. Create a purpose. Take out, I don't know, take out some nuts with a hard shell and now use the hammer to crack it open. You could create a reason of why you need the hammer. If you have no reason whatsoever, you can't move it. Even if you're moving just to protect the Kli's it's forbidden. But if you could make up the reason, that means you don't have to be desperate in order to use the hammer. If you need to move it because you wanna, you know, you want to protect it, so just say, okay, you know what? Let me take the hammer and crack open with it my walnuts. I could have cracked it open really with uh, you know, with my fist. I could have punched it, but I'm using a hammer. So once I have it in my hand because I need it to crack open my walnuts, so then I can already keep it inside of the house without having to worry that it's going to get ruined. We'll discuss this heter of moving klish vachtole isur to protect it, to protect the item. When we get into full details of these halachot. Good. So let's review a little bit very quickly. Klish vachtole isur is a utensil where its main function is in order, it's make function is something that cannot be performed on Shabbat. That's kli shemlachtol isur. We gave some examples. Pen, scissors, hammer. It's permitted to move. It's usually mukseh, and I cannot move it except for two, except for two reasons. There are two exceptions when I could move the kli shemlachtol isur. Number one is letzorek gufo. If I need that item itself for something that's permitted on Shabbat, for example, a hammer cracking. Or, or opening up a coconut. Number two is if I need the mekomo, if I need its place. The hammer is sitting on my chair and I need to sit down on my chair on Shabbat. So then I can pick up the hammer, put it away, so I could sit on my chair on Shabbat. Now included in this category, all the poskim bring in this category, another type of, I guess you would call it a mukseh. It's hard to really define it as mukseh because it's, most of the time it is permitted to move such an item. But... As we explained last week, really almost every category, almost every cat, every item in the house, everything around you, somehow qualifies to fit in the category called mukse. Uh, fits in some sort of category mukse, including the category klish mechtole isur, is a subcategory called keli shemelachto leheter, a utensil where its main function is for something that is permitted on Shabbat. Let's give an example. For example, a chair. Chair. What's a chair made for? A chair is made so I could sit on it. Are you allowed to sit on Shabbat? 100%. On Shabbos. You don't need on Shabbos. You're allowed to sit on Shabbat. There's no issue of sitting on Shabbat. Table. What's a table made for? In order to put my stuff on it. Food, books. Uh, so my kids could jump on it. So they could reach a chandelier. Whatever it may be, right? Table is made to put stuff on it. Is it permitted to put stuff on on your table on Shabbat? And they said, of course. And they, therefore, it's a kli. Table is a kli, just like the chair. Shemelachto, that's main function is leheter, something that's permitted on Shabbat. Now, why in the world are we mentioning this? What should be asur over here? And the answer is that kli shemelachto leheter, it has limitations on when you can move it. As a note, the poskim bring down that no matter how heavy an item is, if it's mutar, then you can move it. Even though it's, made, it's usually stationary. I'll give you an example. 
most people's dining room tables, you know those big fancy wooden ones, the heavy ones, most people's dining room tables, although they're not stationary, they're not you know nailed into the floor, but it's so heavy, people don't usually move them. Also, because it's an expensive piece of furniture, if you move them around back and forth, it could possibly ruin it. So therefore, people like to keep their furniture, their dining room table in one place. But this doesn't make it mukseh. If now on Shabbat you need to move the table because now you have you know all your kids come and with their friends and you need more room, more space in your dining room. So you want to push the table on the side, even though the table is so heavy and you usually never move it. Doesn't make it mukseh. Because the table is made for something that's mutar, and therefore it's not mukse. You can move it even though it's so heavy, even though it takes 10 people. You have to go out in the street and get 10 people to help you move your dining room table. Mutar to move it on Shabbat, no problem. Even if you're doing it for the sake of the item itself, that means in order to protect it, as we explained before, this is called mehama letzel. You, even if you're moving your dining room table for the sake of its protection, you see that you finish eating your sauda, your, your Shabbat meals, and all of a sudden, but there's a leak in the house, and it's starting to drip on your wooden table. Now that's going to ruin the table. You're allowed to move your wooden table away from the leak so it shouldn't ruin your Shabbat table. Ah, I'm moving it for its own protection. It's fine. Like the hammer, that I'm not allowed to move if I'm doing it to protect the item. But I'm allowed to move it if I'm if I want to do it, even to protect the item itself. I want to protect my dining room table from the leak. I'm allowed to move it. I want to move my chair. Why? So this way my kids don't ruin it. Their friends are coming over. They're gonna do all sorts of things on them. Mutar, it's a klishmnachto leheter. So why is it even mukse? And the answer is the heter is limited to the following. There is a time when klishmnachto leheter cannot be moved on Shabbat. When is that time? That time is when you have no reason whatsoever of moving it. You're not doing it because you need the item, you're not moving it because you need to protect the item itself, you're not doing it because you need you need the space of the item. For no reason whatsoever. What we call playing around. Just you're playing around with it. That's Asur. Let's give an example. According to the told that hold that forks are considered So I have a fork. It's a kli. It's made mainly to use it to stick the food, you know, to stick it into the side of the food so I can eat. So it's a kli. I'm allowed to move it if even for its own protection, I want to move it from here to, uh, you know, I'm done eating and it's sitting on the table. It doesn't look bad. It's pretty clean. I want to move it now, put it back in the drawer because I don't want my kids to play with it and get, you know, that gets lost. I'm allowed to move it for that purpose. But, you know, how some people, you know, they're sitting around and they're just, you know, playing with a fork, flipping it around, playing with it in the, with their fingers. That's actually a sur. Moving an item for no reason whatsoever, that is... Asur on Shabbat, even in the case of you can move for whatever reason you want, as long as there's a reason for no reason whatsoever, it doesn't make a difference to you whatsoever, you cannot move it on Shabbat. It's hard. Now you have to think on Shabbat. Yes, that's that's the whole like we said last week. Mukse makes you think throughout Shabbat. You cannot go through Shabbat without thinking because every item has to be first categorized. And once it's categorized, you have to know the halakhot of when you can and when you cannot move the items. Even things that are mutar, like still, there is a time when it will not be mutar, and that is, like we said, in the time when you're doing it for no reason whatsoever. That is category number one. and We move on now to category number two, Mukse Mahamat Hasson Kis. Mukse Mahamat Hatsonki's category number two, and actually, as we can see later on, category number two and number three, which is Mukse Mahamat are probably the most stringent of all the Mukse. Mukse Mahamat Hatsonki's is a utensil where one is so careful from using this utensil for anything else except for what it's made for, 
out of fear of ruining it. Let's repeat it. There are too many rewards, and my English teacher will tell me this was a run-on sentence. I know. But let's get all the details, all the conditions. In order for an item to qualify for Muqseh Mahmat Hassan Kis, and again, we'll explain these halakhot in a very concise way. It's actually big debates of all the qualifications, all the conditions to make something Muqseh Mahmat Hassan Kis. We're just giving to you in a simple, simple way. So later on, when we get into the subject, it's a little bit easier. We already heard it. Category number two, Muqseh Mahmat Hassan Kis, is defined as any utensil where one will never use this utensil for anything besides its main purpose. Why? Out of fear of ruining it. Let's give you the examples that are brought down in Halakha, in the Gemara. A shahita knife. I don't know if you've ever seen a shahita knife. It's not a regular knife. Not because of the shape, but the shahita knife has to be sharpened and it has to be completely straight and smooth without, for sure not any nicks. But even if the finger, if you could feel a little bit, that's a little bit not so smooth, that's not a, you know, that's not a, it's not a knife that you should use to slaughter kosher, you know, to, to do kosher slaughtering. So shahita knife, whoever has a shahita knife is very, very careful not to use it except for shahita. You have different knives in the house. You have a butter knife, what they call, you know, that, that's a knife that you spread. You have a little bit of a sharper knife that's what you use, you know, to cut fruits. Then you have those big knives that use it to cut raw meat or, or like sometimes, you know, some chicken bones. So you can put it in your challenge or whatever you, you want to do with it. You will sometimes, if you can't find your sharp knife to, you know, the, the, the sharper knife, you may use a butter knife to cut fruits. Yes, you would rather use the sharp knife to cut fruits. It's much smoother. But if you don't, you'll take the other knife, the butter knife, and you'll use it to cut fruits. If you can't find any knife to cut your fruit, a person who's a shohet will not go to his knife and use it to cut fruit. Why? It's so expensive. It's so valuable. It doesn't have to be expensive million dollars. But so valuable that it's chaval, that you don't want to ruin it by using it for something else. You're going to make sure that it stays sharp and you're not going to ruin it by using it to cut meat, even to cut fruits, even to spread cream cheese on your, on your sandwich. You're not going to use shahita knife for that. Since the shahita knife is something that you're so careful from using it for anything besides its main function, what it's made for, because out of fear that it might get ruined, it's categorized, it is categorized under the category of mukseh, mahamat, mahamat means because, of Hesron Kis. Hesron Kis literally means your pocket is missing, but it means financial loss. Because of the fear of losing the value or losing the item, you will not use this item for anything besides what it's made for. Therefore, this is called Muqseh Mahmat Hesron Kis. In such a category of Muqseh, when we come across such a category, if something is categorized as Muqseh Mahmat Hesron Kis, then the Halakha says, that you cannot move it at all. You cannot move it in a normal way at all. That's it. It stays where it is. Even if you change your mind one time and say, you know what? I really want to eat my watermelon. And I'm not going to stick my face in this half a watermelon. Now, how am I going to eat it? It's, it's not uh, bad. I can't find any knife, not even a plastic knife. I'm going to go take my shaitan knife. Even if you decide, you know what? Today, it's worth it. It's very hot. My AC is barely working. At least my fridge is working. Made my watermelon cold. I'm deciding today to change my mind. I'm going to go take my shaitan knife and I'm going to use it to cut my watermelon. doesn't make a difference what you decided. Shaitan knife is categorized as Muqseh Mahmat Hassan Kis. And even though you're changing your mind just for now, it doesn't make a difference. It remains under that category and because it's under the category of Muqseh, Muhammad Hassan Kis, it becomes forbidden to move whatsoever. You cannot move it. It has to stay there. Even though I need its goof, let's all goof out. No, Asur. Even if this shahita knife is on the table where I need to place my plate, forbidden. Even let's talk Mekomo, you're not allowed to move something which is Muqseh, Muhammad Hassan Kis. And that is category number two. Now we go on to category number three. Mukseh Mahamat Gufo. Mukseh Mahamat because of Gufo, of, its, of the item itself. This is a very broad category. This is any item, anything basically, that doesn't have a function. It's not a kili. 
Not like Mukse Muhammad Hasonkis. It has to be clear. It has to be made for something. Here, this category Mukse includes all items that don't have a function at all. Let's give you an example. Rock. Rocks. You know, stones, pebbles, all these things. What the, what, what the, what's a rock? Is a, is a rock a kli? No. Could you make it a kli? Yeah, but right now, as it is, you know, those people that have like little lakes in the backyard or or even if you go, you go walk in, you go by a lake and you know all those stones and pebbles over there by the water. What are they, what are they there for? They look nice. You're right. But do they have a kli? Are they a kli? Are they used to, for any purpose? No. So that kili, that rock now is under the category of Muqseh Muhammad Gufo. It has no function whatsoever. Another example, dirt. Dirt. What is the dirt for? Yes, I can take dirt and use it like, you know, for, uh, for a playgroup project in order to, you know, put those little uh, seeds inside of it and watch the plant grow that we all do on Shavuot. Very nice. All our kids do that on Shavuot. But still, dirt in itself has no function. It's just dirt. Dirt also will be in the category of Mukseh Mahmat Gufo. It's Mukse. Why? Because in itself, it doesn't have a function. And the last example that we're going to give, and I'm pointing it out because it is important, money. That includes all types of money. Dollars, peso, shekel, uh, I, I think that's, okay, lira, that's it from my currency knowledge right now. Okay, Dollars includes bills, includes coins, includes anything, a penny, and includes a $100,000 bill if you have such a thing. It includes even a $100. Dollars are Mukse Mahmat Gufo. Even though you may say, one second, money has a purpose. I can buy with it. It's made to buy. But in itself, it has no inherent purpose. I'll give you an example. Dollar only has a value because we decided it has a value. Suppose to say, on Shabbat itself, let's say, given this should happen, you know, make us all bankrupt. But let's say, on Shabbat itself, all of a sudden, the president decides to change his mind. He comes down and he says, Ladies and gentlemen, Rabotai and, Rabo, and, and, and everybody else, I would like to announce that from now on, we will not be using dollars anymore. The dollar is getting weaker. The euro is getting stronger. From now on, all dollar bills are worth zero. We'll only be using euros from now on and come and we'll be giving out the first 10,000 euros to every single person who comes you know, online. So now you have in your house millions of dollars. Millions of $100 bills. How much are they worth now? Zero. You can't buy anything with it anymore. So that shows me that really money in itself has no inherent value. It's only because people decided, but inherently it has no function. It's not like today, a hammer. Okay? So let's say now they come out with this new machine that you don't need a hammer. It just will be used. You know, you, you need nails to put in. So you just take this, like, uh, I guess they come up with an app, you know, on your phone, and you just point your phone towards the nails and it'll just hammer them in. Imagine such an invention. So you're right, you won't need a hammer anymore, but the function of a hammer doesn't go away. If you want to use a hammer to break your coconut, to break glass, to break a table, it's still there. Even if you want to hammer a nail, it's still there. The function is there. It didn't go away. Unlike money, when we take away its value, when people decide it has no more value, that's it, it's gone. So it has no inherent value, it has no inherent purpose or function. So that's the difference between money and a hammer. Money has no inherent purpose or value, so therefore, money is categorized under Mukseh Mahamat Gufo. Okay, fine. So rocks, dirt, money, Mukseh Mahamat Gufo. I got it. What's the law? What's the halakha? The answer is just like Mukseh Mahamat Hasonkis, Mukseh Mahamat Gufo cannot be moved at all. So if you have money in your drawer, you cannot move it. You can't say, I needed space. No, you cannot move it. If you have a rock in your house because your kids brought it in, you can't pick it up and throw it in the garbage with your hand regularly. How could you move it? We'll teach you as you get to the halakhot. But you can't just go ahead and pick up a rock and throw it in the garbage. Why? I'm not waiting to take a $100 bill and throw it in the garbage. But if you have a $100 bill, actually, and it's all of a sudden it fell out of your jacket pocket and it's right there in the center of the living room. You can't pick it up and put it in the drawer either. It has no value. Don't say, I need its makom, I need nothing. You cannot move it in a regular way. How could you move it? We'll get to those halakhot when we get into detail.
But that we're just defining right now. Mukse, Muhammad Gufo is forbidden to be moved just like Mukse Muhammad has own case. You can't move it for whatever purpose it is. You cannot move it in the normal way. Move on now to category number four. Category number four is actually discussed in detail in a separate Semana Suhan Aruch in Semana Shinyud. It's also in a separate parasha in the Benish Hai. This is Parashat Miketz. The following parasha is Parashat Vayigash, where Benish Hai continues to talk about the laws of Mukseh, but over there he focuses more on this category of a so-called Basis Ledabar Ha'asur. Basis Ledabar Ha'asur. What does this mean? Basis, it's like very, very, very similar to the word in English, base, right? A basis. It's, ba- it's a base for something that's asur. Basically, even if something is mutar to be handled with, it's something that you could move on Shabbat, let's take, for example, a tissue box that's open. You're taking tissues out of it, right? You're allowed to do that. You can use tissues on Shabbat. Assuming, of course, that the tissues are not being ripped. Okay, so I'm using tissues on Shabbat. That's fine. That's great. Okay, now what's the problem? If I would take something that's mukseh and place it on top of something that is not mukseh, like a tissue box, okay, so let's say I'm taking money and I placed it on top of a tissue box, so then the tissue box right away, since it's being used to hold the mukseh, so then the tissue box also becomes mukseh. There is so much detail in this halakha. I'm saying it in a very vague way because I don't want to give it away this way or that way and confuse anybody. But the example that we gave is emit. That if there was money that was placed on a tissue box and the money is mukseh, fine, but what, what does it have to do with the tissue box? Now, the tissue box itself also becomes mukseh. And here's the hadush. If the money was placed there from before Shabbat going into Shabbat, even if the money falls off the tissue box, the tissue box also remains mukseh. Amazing, right? One more time. Tissue boxes are not mukseh. I can move them. I can move it from here, from there, even if I want to protect it. It's klisim nachtol heter. However, if I came out of Shabbat and I decide that I want to put my money on my tissue box and keep it there for Shabbat, and now I come on Shabbat and I realize, oh, wow, I didn't know it's going to be so cold in June and it's freezing cold outside and I need to use some tissues. I need to move the tissue box. Oh, I got my money on it. I can't move my tissue box because I have money on it. Money is Muqseh Mahmad Gufo. Tissue box also, even though but I can't slide it from under the money. That's it. It's, it becomes a basis. It becomes the base. Okay. I leave the room, I come back in half an hour, I realize that somebody knocked off the money from the tissue box. Now, the tissue box is free of the mukseh that's on top of it. No, it doesn't help me. Since the money was placed on the tissue box before Shabbat to be there for Shabbat, now that the money fell off, the tissue box does not lose its status of mukseh as it went into Shabbat. It becomes a basis ledabara asur, which I may not move even though the money fell off of it. Again, a lot of details to this, a lot of conditions, and you can already think of a million questions you could ask. What if, what if that? Yes, all that will be is asked in halakha, and we hope to clarify in its in its in the proper time when we get to Parashat Vayigash. Move on now to the fifth category, Mukse, which we will discuss, and that is. Known as Mukseh Mahmat Isur. What is Mukseh Mahmat Isur? Mukseh Mahmat Isur is anything which I couldn't have access to it on Shabbat unless I do something forbidden. Meaning that the only way I could access it is by doing something forbidden. An example to understand what we're talking about. If I have an apple on a tree, hanging on a tree, the apple is fully ripe, it's delicious, and now I come on Shabbat, I, I, I forget to pick it off the tree, I come on Shabbat and I see the apple looking at me, I'm looking at the apple, we're eyeing each other, and apple saying, eat me, and I'm saying, yes, I will, but it's on the tree. If I rip off the apple from the tree, I will be transgressing in Isur called Tolesh, Isur Doraita. I'm not allowed to pick things from a tree from where they naturally grow from. 
okay, can I bite the apple of the tree? No, that's also tolish. What's the difference if I'm doing it with my mouth, I'm eating off the tree, if I pick it off with my hand, I'm removing the apple from the tree. So it's forbidden, right? So usually food is not mukse, as we're going to learn soon. Food is not mukse, but this case, that the food, the only way I could access the food is by doing something else, which in this case, ripping it off the tree. So I have that's called muk. So that makes this fruit mukse mahmat isur. It's mukse because the only way I can access is by doing an isur. What's the halakha? Okay, I know I can't be tolish. So what's the law? The law is that even if somehow or another this tree shook on Shabbat and the apples fell, and now I come on Shabbat. And I say, wow, look at that. The, the apple really loves me. It fell off the tree. It's a sign from Shemayim I'm supposed to eat the apple. No, it's a sign from Shemayim. Go learn Hilchot Mukseh. That apple is Mukseh Mahmat Isur, even though now it's not attached to the tree. I don't have to go ahead and do any melakat to get to the apple. It's off the tree already. But I know that it fell off the tree now. It was hanging there on Shabbat. Therefore, it makes this apple Mukseh. Mahmat Isur. Even though it's off the tree, the apple remains mukseh. I may not move it on Shabbat. Why? Because it came to Shabbat in a way where I didn't have access to it unless I do an Isur. This is known as mukseh Mahmat Isur, which again, like all the other categories, they need to be clarified, need to be discussed in detail. Those are the five categories of Mukse that we will go into in these two parashat, Parashat Meketz and Parashat Vayigash. And they are again, one more time, Kli Shemilachto Le'isur or Le'heter. This is an, a utensil, an item that's main function is, there's two categories over here, two, one and a subcategory. Kli Shemilachto Le'isur is a utensil that's made where its primary function is to do something that's forbidden on Shabbat. Like we said, a pen, which is made to write, a hammer, which is made to Nail uh, to hammer in nails. One is a mutar to move, and one is a forbidden to move. It's mutar to move them. Let's sort of gufo umekomo. It's mutar to move them if I need its place or if I need the item itself. But kriis machtole isur. I may not move it if it's made. If I'm my intention is to moving it is to protect it. If I have no purpose, but just to protect the item itself, kriis machtole isur is mukse in that way, and I cannot move it. The subcategory of this is Klish Mechtol Heter. I can move it for whatever reason I have, as long as it's a reason, even if I want to protect the item itself. But if I have no reason whatsoever, I cannot move a Klish Mechtol Heter, such as a fork. If I have no reason of moving it from next to me to away from me, just stop, I'm playing. That's Asur. Category number two, Mukseh Mahmat Hasan Kis. And the item where I'm so careful not to use it, except for what the item is made for, because I'm scared I'm going to ruin the item, like a shahita knife, where I will not use it except for shahita. So that type of muqseh, muqseh Muhammad Hassan keys, is forbidden to move at all. It's completely forbidden to move. I have no heter of moving them around. Third category, muqseh, muqseh Muhammad gufo. Anything which has no function, like rocks, dirt, money. Those things don't have their own function. They're, they're not made to be used. They're not utensil. They're not made. They're not. They're not made to you for anything. So therefore, it's muksem hat gufo, and I cannot move it at all. Fourth category is basis asur. This is something that is permitted to move in general, but in this case, it came into Shabbat with having something mukse on top of it. It retains its mukse status even though. The mukse fell off of it. Since it was a base for something that's asur, it's basis the asur. Even though the isur fell went away on Shabbat, that means to say the mukse went away on Shabbat, the item retains its status of mukse until Shabbat is over. And finally, mukse mahmat isur. This is anything which I couldn't have access to it on Shabbat unless I do an isur. Even if the isur goes away, like a fruit on a tree. The isur is ripping off the apple, even though the apple ripped by itself and it fell on the floor, I still can't have the apple on Shabbat because of the isur. This is categorized as mukseh mahmat isur. Now that we categorized, now that we introduced the five categories of mukseh that we'll be discussing, we want to give you some simple rules of mukseh, some basic rules of mukseh. Very, very simple halakhot, really. Like we said, 
this is really where the 40% of the of the halakot come now the first 60 percent is categorizing mukse and the other 40 percent is the details of the halakot of mukse give you some really really basic laws and again of course elaboration will come later on number one is mukse is forbidden to move in a normal way and that means handling mukse you could only it's only forbidden to move it in a normal way let's take for example we said beforehand we cannot move a rock Right? So I can pick up the rock and move it away. I can pick it up with my hands and throw it away. But if I want to kick the rock, since that's, since that's not the normal way of moving it, kicking it, just kicking it, that's not the normal way, I'm allowed to kick it. Likewise, if I want to blow on mukse, I have some dirt. Dirt is mukse. Let's say I want to blow away the mukse. <sighs> yes, I can do that on, on, on Shabbat. I'm moving it, yeah, but I'm not moving it in a normal way. Blowing on mukse, kicking away mukse, moving it in a weird way that's not normally done, it's mutar on Shabbat. Number two, touching mukse is permitted. It's only a, it's only a sort to move mukse, but just touching it without moving it, then it's mutar. So therefore, if I want to touch a car while it's on, there's a car, and it's on, it's mukse, right? The car is mukse. It's made in order to drive, which is that's on Shabbat. There's nothing wrong with touching the car on Shabbat. Why? Because by me touching the car, it's not going to move. The problem is, when you move mukse, if by touching it alone, you'll move it. For example, a raw egg. Assuming people don't eat raw eggs, which I don't believe they do anymore. So raw eggs are usually mukse. People don't eat it. So therefore, since... Let's assume, you know, this egg is 100% mukse. I don't want to go into the details. But let's assume the egg is completely mukse. If you would touch the egg, just touching it all, it would move because it's oval and it's going to roll. So therefore, even though we told you that you're allowed to touch mukse, but if you're touching, will make it move, then it's forbidden. Another example, let's say you have a candle coming down from the ceiling, kind of like a chandelier. So a candle is mukse. To touch the candle... It's really not a problem. But since in this case that's hanging from the ceiling, if you would touch it, it will make it swing back and forth. That touching also becomes forbidden. So let's keep in mind, touching mukse is permitted as long as you don't move it. Another short halakha about mukse, it's mutar to benefit from mukse. Although you may not handle mukse, but it's mutar to benefit from mukse. Le mashal, we said bricks, stones, rocks, those are mukse. Let's say you have bricks in the backyard or stones in the backyard, which are made to build, right? They're mukse. You want to sit on top of rocks on Shabbat, it's mutar. Even though by sitting on it, it will move a little bit, but that's not the way you move bricks. You know, nobody picks moves bricks by sitting on them. So therefore, it's permitted to sit on mukse on Shabbat, even though they might move slightly from you, that's fine. But I'm benefiting from mukse. Fine, it's not a melacha. Mukse is like we said, it's, these are halakhot of Tishbot, and the halakha tells us I'm allowed to benefit from Mukse. Another rule of Mukse any food that's edible on Shabbat is not Mukse. Any food, all food, have all food that's edible that you could eat on Shabbat is not Mukse. However, if I mean to say, it's not even Kalishim Lachtole that's what I mean. It's not Mukse at all, it's not one of the five categories at all. You're allowed to move them. You're allowed to eat them. Even if you don't want to eat them, you want to protect them. They are not mukse. Now, the exception is, like we said, the fruits that fell off the tree because they came into Shabbat mukse, because they're mukse mahmat isur. Or, let's say you have raw food that's inedible. You won't eat it and you won't give it to an animal. So then also, raw food will also be mukse if it's inedible on Shabbat. Not all raw food is inedible. You can eat a tomato. Most of our fruits are raw, right? Talk about food that is inedible on Shabbat is also, it, it, that's exception to the rule of foods and there will be mukse. Sefarim, finally, the last thing is, sefarim are not mukse. All types of sefarim. I don't mean books, I mean to say sefarim. Newspapers, magazines, and books. We discussed those halachot. Which books and newspapers and magazines are you permitted to read on Shabbat? And whatever is forbidden to read on Shabbat, they're mukse. But sefarim, which are made for Torah books, biographies, all these books 
Even if you're not planning to read them, they're not mukseh. Even if you got in a fight with the author, let's say you have a book, and you know the author is your next door neighbor, he asks him to autograph it for you, and he says, I don't have time for you. I don't mind autographing my, uh, the safer for and he got upset at them. Oh, yeah, I spent $27 plus shipping and tax to buy this guy's book because he's my neighbor. He wouldn't even give me a wholesale discount. And he has a chutzpah not to sign my book. Forget it. I'm not going to read his book. And you put a big X on it in the house. He tells everybody, nobody's allowed to read that book. It's a, it's a sefer. It's made to teach you Torah. You have to learn how to get over your anger. So you should you know, calm down and read from the sefer. So therefore, seferim are not mukse either. Okay? Now, these are basic halachot. I don't go on and rule, start ruling halachot based on what we said, but this is a basic introduction to the laws of Mukseh, so we should, we should understand it. The next thing that I have in my notes, I have a big introduction here, a big uh, subject already to speak about, and with the four minutes left, I won't have time to be able to elaborate, to really, you know, ex- explain it properly. It's a mahaloka Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Huda, in Hilchot, Shabbat. This is really made for men in the subject of Mukseh. We'll keep it for next week, Razat Hashem. And next week we'll begin already the halachot of Mukseh from the Ben Ishai. Anybody who has a question right now, if you'd like to call in, we have a few minutes if you want to be on air. If you want to text in your question specific about Hilchot Mukseh, we want happy to answer you. The number is 718 683-5858, but we only have two, three minutes, so make sure you have a short question only. If not, we could just, we'll go off the air and we'll be able to answer your question. If you'd like to text in your question, 347-927-8398. As we're preparing for the end of the class, so let me, so as we're preparing the end of the class, let me just give you the times, is that the same, next week we'll be here on, hopefully again, live, Wednesday, 2 o'clock. This class which is the halachot of, or really the introduction to the halachot of Mukseh, will be on the website, jrootradio.com, and it will be aired on again tonight at 11 p.m. on jrootradio.com. So stay tuned. There's more great stuff coming up, and we'll be signing off. If you have questions, text or call, we'll answer you by Zat Hashem off the air. Thank you for listening.